Heartbreak at the bank, fellas. Vikings fall to the Chargers 28-24. They fall to 0-3 on the season. We're here to break it all down with another Minnesota Vikings postcast right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. We got the full crew here. Myself, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. That's Sam Ekstrom. Go follow him on X, at Sam Ekstrom. Luke Braun, host of Lockdown Vikings each and every day on X, at Luke Braun NFL and Ron Johnson, of course, who joined us yesterday in the Gophers postcast last night to vent about that tough loss to Northwestern. He's on X at three Ron Johnson, host of the Ron Johnson show right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. Uh, we'll wait for some more people to jump into the live feed as we discuss this Vikings 28-24 loss to the Chargers. Quick reminder, though, before we get started this episode. Brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Also, quick quick reminder to subscribe to the show channel if you haven't already. Uh, we got all the content you can handle going on right now. Twins, Vikings, Gophers, soon to be Wild and Timberwolves coverage as well. Each and every day, all right here on the Locked On Sports Minnesota Network. Okay, fellas, let's get into the meat and potatoes of this one. Vikings lose their third straight game, start the season 0-3. I know there's a ton to unpack here because it was an absolutely just wild game, even wilder finish, like we knew it would be. Uh, some insane stats, by the way, all the way around by both teams. Kirk Cousins, 367, three touchdowns through the air, one interceptions, not really his fault, at the end of the game to ice things, off the hands of TJ Hawkinson. JJ, seven catches, buck 49. Keaton Allen, what do you doing bro game of your life 18 <laughs> catches 215 and a passing touchdown because why not you're playing the vikings why not uh ron let's start with you though i think the a topic coming in this week was always going to be hey i know they're on two but this team's actually doing some things that look a lot better than the record might suggest just clean up the turnovers man tighten things up six turnovers in two games tying the old vikings record i think going back to 05 i believe so go figure that but uh, that was the topic of discussion all week give yourself a chance stop shooting yourself in the foot and let's see what happens here two turnovers today they lose the battle by one but they give themselves at least a chance but is it same story different day kind of feeling right now after a loss uh, I mean, it, it feels like it because you, if you look at the Alexander Madison fumble, that's a fumble. Like his his the blue bean bag was thrown down. Um, his momentum was not actually stopped when the ball was fumbled. He was still kind of fighting. It was simultaneous. And so, in my opinion, as I think I saw Sam uh, X that out. I don't even know what we're calling that anymore. Um, but he 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 posted that um, this that's similar to last year's Coats game where there were two strips of uh, fumbles that should have been touchdowns mm -hmm. and they were called back by uh, Channing Sullivan. And so uh, Alexander Madison's lucky. That one was, 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 was considered like dead. You got TJ Hawkinson with the fumble and then the Kirk Cousins interception at the end. And even the uh, Caleb Evans, I mean, you can't call that a <sighs> turnover, mm. but that's just a horrible opportunity where if he just knocks the ball downward, and doesn't try to like fight for their, you know, I don't even know if you can call that like a, a drop, but you could, I mean, he's an NFL player. It was a tough catch. If he, even a receiver, that's a tough catch diving like that going horizontal, yeah. but it's just bad luck. Like the fact that that ball doesn't get knocked down, the fact that he doesn't pick it off. And then it, not only is it a catch, but it's a touchdown. That's just bad luck. And so the Vikings now 0 and three, there's only been one team that has gone 0 and four that's ever made the playoffs. And I'm pretty sure that was the Chargers in like 92 or 94. So they are, they're headed towards some tough and no team has ever gone 0 and five and made the playoffs. Not saying that we want to try that because we like to make history. I mean, we got the Minneapolis miracle. We got some yeah. other things, 
But let's not try to create new history. Um, it's bad enough to go to four Super Bowls back in the day and not win any. Um, I mean, there's just so much you can say about this game. But at the end of the day, the ball just didn't bounce the Vikings way. And they had a chance to win this game. I think it comes down to execution at the very end of the game. I blame Kevin O'Connell. Kevin O'Connell should have clocked the ball, given Kirk Cousins time to get and reset and say, here's what we could do. I understand the thought of, well, let's not let the offense, you know, or defense get set. Screw that. Call a timeout this, or spike the ball. This is the play for your life. And you go out there and do that for an interception. So it's, it's- I don't even know about that. You threw a touchdown. Just It was like a tip drill for three different guys. You threw a touchdown on that play. Yeah, if it works, we're singing a different tune, obviously. But yeah, there was a lot of questions going on, a lot of finger pointing saying, wait, you at least got to give yourself three shots here if you can't get up there and spike yeah, the ball. The, the timing, the timing was the issue. Like they didn't they didn't leave themselves enough time if they had had to run yeah. four plays. I mean, they they left themselves. I think they could have snuck four in. I, the reason seven, they're doing no, that seven is seconds after the, the pick, Chargers though. still had three timeouts. So 30 seconds is too much to leave for the Chargers. So they have to get that thing so that this game is ending on triple zeros with us having the ball. So I kind of get going no huddle there. And I think they could have tightened that up. And I think if you're snapping with like 16 seconds instead of 12, then I think it's perfect. But I'm not going to uh, believe, believe the, the point about clock management. I don't know, man. Catch the ball. But, like it, I feel like that's all lame excuses for catch a freaking ball. Uh, Caleb, catch the ball. Madison, hold on to the ball. Catch the ball. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. To, to that point, what Luke's starting to kind of stem off on is Sam 0-3 to start the season after a 13-win year last year, obviously. Yeah. Luck regression? Or what are we calling this? Because as far as just the fumbles, for example, just specifically, uh, holding on to the ball. They worked on the ball security all week, according to who was it, Tom Pilicero before the game. And they <laughs> only lost one technically on paper. But that ball came out a lot today. Yeah. What are you just seeing from last year to this year right now? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all a big regression, right? And and today, there were two fumbles by Madison, one of which whistled early, and then the other one, his elbow was just barely down. But that's going to expedite Cam Akers getting involved down the road. Um, TJ Hawkinson missing a ball at the goal line then having another ripped out of his arms. That's pretty uncharacteristic. Common theme through all of it, bad protection. Um, Kirk Cousins, I think made the most of another really awful protection day. That's going to expedite Dalton Reisner coming in, but is it too little too late at 0 and three? This is an absolute gut punch of a loss, an absolute gut punch with what you withstood with Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert and the opportunities you had second and goal from the one you've got CJ ham, Josh Oliver, TJ Hawkinson and Johnny Munt on the field and you can't move anyone out of the way. CJ Ham looked like he blocked the wrong guy and you lose yards and you can't score from the one. That is absolutely unacceptable. I'm uh, I'm I'm pretty steamed up. That sucks. Ron, this is a uh, uh, a team that, you know, the the orientation, the identity of this team is clearly it's an offensive team. You know, they should be able to put up 30 with the best offenses in the league as well and go toe-to-toe. Uh, the defense, though, obviously going through some growing pains right now. Boy, sending a lot of heat right now by Brian Flores. Having a tough time getting home once in a while as well. Um, but just how, you know, broad overview, how would you look at this team as far as the things they need to clean up now moving forward going into Carolina next week? I'm not going to lie. Brandon Staley's defense, like we've talked about the struggles with the Chargers defense, and it hasn't been great for a defensive head coach. He struggled. Vice versa, this was the game that everybody assumed Brian Flores could take advantage of. 
But what Brandon Staley's offense did, they took advantage of where they knew, which is whenever they go like heavy blitz, heavy rush, they have to play some type of like high safety look. And they were killing the corner routes, like the over routes and the corner routes they were killing. So the minute you miss Justin Herbert, if he gives, if he's able to climb in the pocket and just get one or two steps free, it's every time there was a guy wide open. And to me, that was just unacceptable. I don't know if uh, they have the personnel to go more man. I mean, we, we have so many safeties on this roster, so many corners. I don't understand why they're le- – like, if you're going to lose, lose in man coverage. Like, you guys all get paid to run and chase guys. Chase guys knowing you only have to chase a guy for about four seconds because if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're sticky, as they call it, if you're sticking to Keenan Allen – when Justin Herbert steps up, he's not able to make that throw where Keenan Allen has to back shoulder that and still walk out and, you know, do the Spider-Man thing, looking at his hands like, man, my hands are so sticky. Uh, if you think about the other one, the deep one uh, to the other side to the corner, I forgot who was trying to contest that one. But again, a drop in the bucket. Um, it, it was just so many opportunities for Brian Flores, but it just feels like boom or bust. Like he can't get home with just four. And that's the problem with his defense. And then it's like, well, if you can't get home with four, do you just try to get covered sacks? And do you just try to put eight guys in the coverage and say, look, I'm just going to try to cover space, cover guys, and then hope that my three guys can get home eventually and let a guy like Justin Herbert beat us with his legs? I just don't know the answer because there was way too many like, oh, he almost had him and he missed him. Oh, he, he's right there. And then he misses him. So I don't I don't really know the answer because it's it's they're getting there. But like Josh Metellus, I saw him on a blitz. Uh, Harrison Smith, like he was about to blitz and then Justin Herbert figured it out. He had to go back and play uh, middle of the field. And then it actually worked out where he played middle of the field. They were able to get a stop, but it's just too much of that. It's too much. Like, I know what you're doing, Brian Flores. Like I think coaches have figured that out in the first three weeks. Like you're, you're going to come hard and you only have four guys back here. So I just need to figure out how to like, just hold you up for a second and make you miss. And if my quarterback's smart enough to step up in the pocket, we're going to kill you. And that's what you saw out of Keenan Allen today. Uh, we need Luke, to win more say, one-on-ones yeah, go ahead, on, go on ahead. the line. We, we need to win more one-on-ones on the line, right? Like we need guys to be able to get into the backfield. The reason that, you know, Josh Patelis can't get him down is because he has a ton of room to step up in the pocket, right? Yeah. Um, pass rush is not something that one person can do. It has to be a lot of people getting to where they're supposed to be and staying where they're supposed to be. And that gives Justin Herbert the time. But, but what I'll say is this is like the exact blueprint for how to beat Brian Flores, right? If you have a quarterback that can move around and and rescue a pocket, if you have wide receivers that can consistently win off the release in man coverage, and all of that executes really, really quickly so that there isn't a ton of time for all of these blitzes to get home and you can throw over the blitzes, if you can do all those three things, you can beat Brian Flores. I don't, like, Carolina can't do those three things, you know? Like, there are teams that cannot do, like, Chicago can't do those three things. We play them twice. So I don't think that this is something that every team can come in and say, oh, we'll just do what the Chargers did. Because it takes... Like you gotta have Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen, you know? Right. If they they indiscriminately, unabashedly blitz the heck out of Herbert, who is in his three years in the league, has been the number one quarterback against pressure in yeah, the league. They're like, doing it I, for everybody. This is I, where we live. Right. This is Brian Flores is gonna live and die with this. I'm not sure I, I totally agree with that very rigid approach. Like the drive before halftime where, again, this happened against the Bucks, where you have a chance to, to kind of go into the halftime with the lead, and they gave up such a, an easy drive to get down the field, blitzing the whole time. Um, they gave up 28 points in this game, and it was a lot more of the same, where the blitzes aren't turning into pressures. They hit Justin Herbert five times. It's not that great. Meanwhile, Kirk Cousins 
this is not the wrong number. This is what I'm seeing on the box score. This is real. 13 quarterback hits on Kirk Cousins. He was already the most hit quarterback in the league coming in. And now 24 quarterback hits through three games. That's a that's a big discrepancy in which of those two quarterbacks was uh was feeling the heat more. And Herbert, to his credit, man, he's elusive. He's really, really oh. fun to watch. It's it's it was really a treat to watch him play. Unfortunately, uh, had to come against the Vikings. Ron, just stemming off that, what Sam kind of pointed out, you know, hey, they got the running game going finally. 20 carries for Madison, 93 yards, long of 15. Ty Chandler, three rushes, 27 yards, 12 yards uh, uh, on a long run as well. But um, I think a lot of the frustration for the fans right now is stemming from the fact that this offensive line, you brought back the same five guys when, when what Sam just pointed out, Kirk Cousins was already hit the most of any quarterback last year. Now you bring in Dalton Reisner. Uh, I guess just knee-jerk reaction now. Do you expect him to start right away? Who do you expect him to fill in for? Is it as easy as just plug him in at right guard for Ed Ingram? And uh, how do you justify, I guess, bringing back the same five guys if you knew it didn't work to some degree last year? You don't justify it. I mean, honestly, you don't. Like, I think Dalton Reisner should have been an earlier grab. Uh, I heard I heard more of his uh, presser and some of the other comments now coming out saying, uh, like, his tweet about the airport wasn't, like, a legit thing. He was just trying to drum up some interest from NFL GMs. And I think he joked about it, but, like, yeah, there's got to be some GMs on Twitter, right? And so, yeah, there's probably are some people within the organizations across all the teams that are saying, hey, uh, Reisner is on the move. Like, he's going to visit somebody else. Do we really need him? If we do, let's make an offer. And, and the Vikings, like, jumped on it. But why, why, jump, why not jump on it sooner? Why not get him in sooner? Um, same with the whole Kareem Hunt thing. Like, why, why not go get it sooner if you don't feel like you have all the pieces you need? And so, yes, it, it's like, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice. Uh, you know, or as long as I think it was it, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Like, this is the second time now they've seen this offense line. And I, again, I don't think it's the tackles, but I think that interior, there's some huge question marks there. And I'm not even thinking more of Ezra Cleveland. I'm going with it was Bradbury and, and, and uh, what's his name, Ingram. And now you have Austin Schlotman and Ingram. Like, you, you know what you're getting out of these guys. Kirk Cousins doesn't have time to step into the pocket. They are getting demolished by some of these interior guys. And, and teams are just watching film saying, look, we don't need to blitz. Like, we can go home. We can get home with four. And that's why when Kirk is getting blitzed, there's not a lot of open receivers because they're in coverage. And the DBs are not having to be like blitzers. The linebackers are not having to be blitzers. They're able to drop back. And that's the fundamental issues uh, with this Vikings offensive line. And yeah, like, I don't think you can justify it um, and, and what's going on with this. And, and for, so for Quasey and Kevin O'Connell uh, to like this late in the game, feel like, okay, yeah, we do know to get, we do need to get Dalton Riser. Now it's a, like, how long does it take to get him? And the fact that you're 0-3 now, like, at what point is it worth it? Like, is, are we, like, if we know we're not going to the playoffs, what do you do? Uh, do you call the Arizona Cardinals and try to say like, hey, can we get that early pick? Like, I mean, there's there's so many question marks now that everybody's going to have for this team because now you're going into a week of press conferences talking about, okay, you're on three now. So now what? What if you go on four? What if you go on five? Like, you know, it it, it starts to like at some point the question marks are going to come. And, and, and yes, Luke, I think you hit that nail on the head with I don't know if this is a reverse luck. Uh, but this is like, you know, hey, you, you used up every cl uh, leaf on that clover and now you're just out here like with bad luck. I don't know what it is. There's a rain cloud following this team or something, because uh, even that scary moment of Hawkinson going out, Jefferson going out, Oof. it was like, oh, my God, like if both of these guys can't yeah. go like 
we are just literally asking for it. And so, yeah. Uh, Luke, just from a schematic approach, because I know you watch a ton of film, watch all the X's and O's, just on that fourth and six, for example, the Osborne touchdown, which, by the way, anybody else have a heart attack when Osborne reached that ball over the pylon and <laughs> yes, for sure. it out of his hands into the uh-huh. stands? They're like, oh, my gosh. Well, but, not again. You know, fourth and six, they they convert, obviously, huge splash play, score a touchdown. They left C.J. Ham in the block. Max protection, think they probably only had two, maybe three guys out on routes. Is it that simple sometimes, simplifying things to help Kirk, especially in those third and long situations? Again, going back to the running game, kind of tying into this, that's been a huge focus after two weeks. Not a lot going those first two games. Little bit of something maybe to glean on this week, but they were dead last in rushing, entering the week. They trade for Cam Akers, obviously. He was inactive. On top of that, again, like Brown said, just the overall blocking. It's just struggled, specifically the interior. They bring in Reisner. Schlotman gets the nod over Bradbury today. Numerous injuries as well. Just what's your thoughts on the running game and the protection, how they can fix things here moving forward? I think for me, the biggest thing is it stuff's got to go faster. Just execution on the whole just has to go a little bit faster. Everything is just a beat long. And whether that's Kirk holding the ball, whether that's routes, just just long developing route concepts, um, it, it makes the offensive line's job harder. And that's not what we want to do with these guys. We don't want to put the whole thing in, in their lap, right? Um, that's the big thing for me. But I think, honestly, that's more of a play-to-play question. Um, yeah, Max Protect can definitely help. The problem is you have less routes, right? So it gets easier to double Justin Jefferson and stuff. Um you can do, you can kind of do a half measure. You can have them chip. You can do like a delayed kind of outlet thing uh, and sort of try to split the difference there. But I think when it comes to trying to keep Kirk cousins upright, I think the best way to do that is going to be to get the ball out of his hands. Right now, the Vikings have um, their quick game is quick keepers play action. And then, you know, dump it off to Hawkinson and see if you can't get four or five yards. That's their quick kind of first and 10 rhythm play. And I think that, is every team has their answer to that when you're you know the backside edge rusher and run action goes away from you you go get the quarterback everybody does that now so i think that's not a good way to keep kirk cousins upright and get the ball out of his hands quickly and keep him safe so i I don't know i i think it's just kind of speeding things up post snap and getting a little bit tighter in those executions can go a long way because it's not i mean cousins isn't getting hit you know but a quarter of a second after he throws sometimes like it's you don't need a lot to get this thing to go a little bit better, but just sort of quickening things up and being a little bit okay with dinking and dunking it down the field four yards at a time instead of everything having to be like a nine-yard pass. But let no, me say well this, Luke, 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 in, or Luke, uh, Bron, you're being nice. I, I'm going to say what you aren't trying to say. Max Protect doesn't work because there's four <laughs> guys rushing. There's only four guys rushing, so you should. Yeah, they took a sack. Four four man rush versus six. They took a sack today. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like you, if you max protect with four guys rushing and you're still getting pressured, you're still getting hit. Here's the problem: they rush four. That means there's seven back there covering. And if you go max, you're probably only putting three receivers out in the route. So that's three on seven. I mean, granted, Justin Jefferson is the best receiver in the world, but. That's just you're asking for interceptions. You're asking for big hits. You're seeing TJ Hawkinson take hits because there's guys just waiting. Like, go ahead, throw it in front of us. We're just going to come up and hit you. Justin Jefferson, we're going to jam you with one guy. We're going to put another guy over the top because your offensive line can't protect you. So what needs to happen? And and Luke, you were dead on, uh, uh, Bron. What needs to happen is quick. They need to go quick game and throw throw the defense off. Like, 
don't always think it needs to be a 15-yard route or a 20-yard route. Feel be, like the, the Chargers were okay with Keenan Allen on shallows. Keenan Allen, boom, 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 quick out route. And just, hey, give me the seven yards. If you're going to give me seven, I'll take seven. And, and sometimes Kirk Cousins' appetite is bigger than his actual stomach. Like he wants these big plays because they're called. But then the secondary play or secondary throw, I don't I don't feel like Kevin O'Connell's giving him a ton of opportunities of other guys. Like I feel like everybody's either boom or bust. And then your drop-off is like a Alexander Madison, who's kind of running almost sometimes to get covered. Like he's not running to uncover or he's not running. I felt like the Chargers offense had a ton of free runners just like, hey, I'm open. Can you throw me the ball? Where the Vikings, it's like, Man, Justin Jefferson ran a great route. Man, Jordan Addison's covered, but that was a great catch. Like, there were so many opportunities for Kirk. Um, also, Kirk's internal clock, like today he showed, he's not quick. I don't know what his body trainer's doing, but he's not Patrick Mahomes. Like, he's got to know what he is. Because, like, that that little, I don't know, I can't remember when, but I, I, you probably remember this in your head. He kind of steps up and then tries to weave around the other way, and it was the one where they hit him in the leg and his knee hit the ground and he still tried to throw it and it was down. Yeah. yeah. I don't know about you. But that was the worst footwork I've ever seen. Like, it wasn't quick at all. Like, in Kirk's mind, he's probably thinking he's like, and he was more like, boom, do, 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 boom, do, do, do. It just wasn't quick. And so, no knock on Kirk. He's just not that. Like, he's not that. What he needs to be able to do is have, like, a clock to say, I just got to go. I can't weave and do all this. I got to go now. I got to put my full speed and go forward because I feel like he is faster than some of these defensive linemen. But if he doesn't make a quick decision, he's going to get hit and sat. Uh, Sam, I want to touch on the schedule coming up here, what this whole thing looks like. First, quick reminder, this episode brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place just a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, no matter what, win or lose, when you throw down just $5. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on all the action. The app, it's so easy to use, and they got everything. Money lines, parlays, prop bets, you name it, they got it. FanDuel's got everything you need to bet on the entire NFL season. I love the Keenan Allen over six and a half catches today. I don't want to brag about it. I would have cashed in on that pretty easily, like in the first quarter. Uh, go check that out for yourself at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today. America's number one sports book, FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, Sam. So either way, whether they won this one or lost this one, there was already some, some murmurs from a certain part of the fan group mm -hmm. that, said, you know what, the schedule's getting so tough coming up. This quarterback class, I'm already starting to watch some college football. It may be the best quarterback class I can literally ever remember. Now, obviously, nobody's tanking no matter how bad things get in the NFL. That just doesn't happen. Too many guys fighting for their jobs. We know that. But at what point do you start to look at this schedule coming up and think about maybe the draft class coming up, the potential thought of starting things over at quarterback and – you know, obviously what would be a super disappointing season along with your quarterback becoming a free agent, most likely. Uh, are we close to that? I know it's a long season, but are we close to maybe some some armchair quarterbacks watching some college football and saying, you know what, things aren't getting any easier when you look at the next three, four games on the schedule? We are not close to the armchair quarterbacks looking at college quarterbacks. We are at that point. The armchair <sighs> quarterbacks have already arrived at looking for that next quarterback. Now, the people that matter are Quasi, KOC, ownership, uh, the key actors involved here being Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, your offensive leaders. Um, they are playing at a level offensively that should be winning you football games, except for 
the turnovers. Obviously, the protection has been awful, but they have still done enough through the air and today, even on the ground, to score enough points to win a football game. And the margin of error has gone completely out the door with these turnovers. All the things that we said about this team at 0-2, how they were encouraging signs offensively, how the you know regression should be in their favor, all of that is still true at 0-3. The problem is, is that it's a short season, only 17 games, and you're running out of time. And your margin for error now in the season is all but washed up. I just I don't see how this team could have any type of concerted intentional effort to go into tank mode. Like mm-hmm. it, it would it would require such a drastic decision, such a a a full frontal admission that we are going this way. Because what, like, are you going to have the Kirk Cousins era end with him being a healthy scratch? Or are you going to invent an injury for a guy that never gets hurt? Like, how are you going to do that? Um, this offense. Hey, Brian Flores, I've got a suggestion oh, no. for you. Have you heard yeah. this before? <laughs> You're cool with that, right, Brian? Okay. I know. Look, That's here's good. the deal. I'm sick of the quitters in, in Vikings fandom. All right. I'm sick of hearing from them. If you want to quit because they're 0-3, if you want to say, you know what? I'm done. I'm just going to look up Tankathon every morning, you know, every, every Tuesday morning, see where our draft position is at and watch college football. Go do it. Quit telling us about it. I'm sick of it being of, of seeing in my Twitter mentions people be it's over. I can't do this anymore. I'm done with the Vikings. No, you're not. Like either you are or you aren't. Get the hell out of here then. Some people actually still want to watch football. So I'm super, super sick of hearing about people. It's the season's over. It's done. I'm I, I can't do it anymore. I give up. I quit. Okay, be a quitter then. Go mow your lawns on Sundays. I'll tell you where the draft position is at on Tuesday mornings after Monday night football, and then you can shut the heck up and get out of my mentions forever so the rest of us who want to actually enjoy football can enjoy it. Quitters and losers, I'm done with them. Woo. As you can tell, Luke Brown, he doesn't care that much. This is just like a little side gig for <laughs> he him. Doesn't you know, he, he's, he doesn't bleed. He doesn't bleed. Ron, this was always supposed to be like the tough part of the schedule right out the gate at Philly, Thursday night, Chargers, then the Chiefs. So that we knew. Problem is, when you lose a game you're supposed to win versus the Bucks, all of a sudden, the pressure gets magnified so much more. Now you're sitting at 0-3. You got the Panthers on the road next week, Mahomes and the Chiefs then at Soldier, then San Fran on Monday night. What's the realistic expectations now, knowing how they've played, knowing that they've been in all these games, but knowing the schedule just doesn't let up at all moving forward? Yeah, I mean, the realistic expectation at this point, like I said, if you go 0-4, there's only been one team since like 92 or 94, which was the Chargers, actually, that made the playoffs. Uh, There's been no teams at 0-5, and so before I get out of here, um, the expectation at this point is just to, to be in these games. Now, this might be one of the worst takes ever, and I'll live by it. But can you imagine if the Vikings go 4-13 and 13, but lose 11 one-score games? Oh like, that's literally <laughs> the reverse effect of what they've gone through. Like, if they were to lose 11 or even 14, you know, like if they keep going, but just to lose 11 one-score games, because right now they've lost their third one-score game. That's crazy. Like they've already lost three one score games where last year they won every single one of those. So it, it I don't know. It, it might just be like a, a turn of bad luck where the ball's just not bouncing their way. But again, turnovers. If they don't have that interception, if they don't have that fumble by T, even the TJ Hawkinson fumble to start the game, let doubt in to everybody's head. Like if he doesn't fumble that ball, they probably go score there. 
and it's a totally different atmosphere. It's a totally different mindset. Also, there's seven points on the board, and they're even three in their favor versus the Chargers going down and scoring a touchdown and just making everybody sit on their hands for a couple quarters before they realize, like, oh, okay, the Vikings actually have a chance to win this now. Um, it's 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 just that. And and third down, their third down offense, bad. They were bad. And at one point, I think they were like 0 for eight or something like that on third down conversions. Um, even though they did gain a lot of first downs, because I did tweet that out or X that out, whatever. They they got a lot of first downs, but they're getting them on first and second down. What is fundamentally wrong with third down? Or is it because they're not in third and manageable? I think that's a problem. Like, if they're not mm-hmm. successful on first and second down, their third downs were not manageable. And that's where Kevin O'Connell has to maybe call a game where it's not like, all right, okay, I didn't get a run on first down. Now what should I do? Okay, let me throw it now because I have to get some yards back. Okay, wait, he missed that throw. Now we're third and ten. You know, it just it doesn't ever feel like it's like under control. It always feels like a, a a fire drill or something. And so if they can get that under control a little bit more, too, maybe they can run the table for, you know, a good five, six games. If they go six and three, I think we we have a different feeling nine weeks from now if they can go six and three. But that's a tall task. And that's why I say I don't really know. Yeah, good point. Uh, last one, then we'll get out of here. Let's end with a glass half full kind of approach. Leave the people with a little bit of optimism. Let's go around the, the horn here. Which player or two, as Ron jumps out, which player or two guys has surprised you in a good way so far on offense or defense? Just when you think about, man, we had so many months of our preseason expectations and predictions compared to what you're seeing right now. Small sample size, sure, but three games into the season. Which guy has surprised you? Jordan Addison. I mean, I don't think there's an answer besides Jordan Addison. I'm, I I can't glow about Madison too much. I can't glow about Chandler. Really, I mean, Addison's been the standout. Um, he goes over the 49 and a half yards. They touted that on, on Friday. They went to him a lot in the second half and a couple really close calls. And, you know, there's so many what ifs about this fourth quarter. I mean, how about, you know, pass to Osborne off the fingertips, the second goal from the one, but also Jordan Addison with one right in his gut on the tipped ball that uh, he just couldn't hang on to it. That's another what if that we're going to have, but Jordan Addison, very good. I love the view on his one catch from behind the line of scrimmage where you see his first step off the line. He's full speed. I mean, the guy is on like next level speed. I know people weren't thrilled with his combine 40, but holy cow, this guy can run. That's got to be the offensive encouragement of the day. Yeah. Luke, who you got? Who's impressed you so far this year through three games? You know, I, I wasn't too surprised. I love Jordan Addison. I'm not surprised at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to go Cam Bynum. Um, he's yeah, flying all too, over the man. field. He's filling in really fast. And that's something that the Vikings have really, really needed against the run. They ended up, this was way worse against Philly, but they, they will often just because of the way they space things out, they'll end up in moments where if that run bounces to the outside, it is the free safety, the deepest guy whose job it is to come, you know, knife in and take that thing down. And that means you're going at a full speed. Full steam, right? Full run, and you have to be able to make a sound tackle. And he's been really, really good at that. And really quickly and and there and in. Um, it's seemingly assignment sound when it comes to coverage. And, you know, hasn't, I, I don't think he's been like picked on in coverage or anything like that. And I also kind of want to shout out a Caleb Evans. I know it's tough, you know, catch that, yeah. right? And I know that's tough. And he got uh, killed another time. I think it was um, Mike Williams that that smoked him on another one. But it, it is starting to be the pattern where it's like there's like one or two of those a game and everything else is really sound. And what the Vikings are asking of those defensive backs because of how much they blitz is really, really immense. So I'm really happy with what Evans has done for 
a, a CB2 and for safety two in Cam Bynum. I think those guys have really taken a step and are coming into their own as like actual viable starters. No, I'm glad you mentioned both those guys. I had Bynum just was kind of sticking out. I think a lot of people love to gloss over him between this new three safety package. Josh Metels is going to be on the field a ton. A lot of people still quietly hoping Lewis Seen's going to steal some snaps as well. But Cam Bynum, man, just looks like a more polished player who really cleaned up some of the open field missed tackles and just has become a, a more sound football player, in my opinion. Like, there's a reason he's been a starter now for two straight years. He's clearly earned that in the coach's eyes. And obviously, they know a lot more about these these guys and how they look on a day-to-day schedule than any of us um as we get out of here maybe one more fun one here like what's one play that just sticks out to you or you know you know what here's what i think about going into this game this game was kind of the game of the week right highest over under 55 points both teams own two fighting for their livelihood definitely what a an hot under. topic all week what an under for the <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> right unbelievable vegas under. is sick man vegas is too good and then you had the individual storylines like the return of eric kendricks he didn't end up suiting up because of an injury but i yeah, kept thinking about you remember back to the 2020 year the rookie of the year voting came down to justin herbert and Justin Jefferson. A lot of people thought JJ kind of got robbed when he lost out by just a few votes, by the way, to Herbert, who some people thought, all right, he's just going to win it because he's a quarterback. Kind of crazy, though, to sit back and watch these two young studs. So we don't get to see the Chargers very often, but watch these two young studs on the field across from one another, knowing just how quickly they've cemented themselves as two fixtures in the NFL, isn't it? Can we just appreciate those two young studs for a second? Yeah. Um, Herbert was unreal. Like his arm angles, he does Mahomesian stuff with his arm angles. He was threading needles all day. His first two touchdown passes were millimeters away from being deflected. Super elusive in the pocket, rocket arm, really fun to watch. Um, Let's just also mention how grateful are we that a Justin Jefferson injury wasn't part of this postcast. It looks like, I mean, it was just a cramp, Mm -hmm. came back on the field, should be okay. Same with Hawkinson, but almost insult to injury in the final minute of this game. And the how freaked out were you on the first replay when it was kind, it was a little bit non-contact, bad step, lower body. How freaked out would, were you when you first saw that? Oh yeah. yeah what, what's JJ's scary. agent thinking, by the way, like, Oh, we should have, uh, why did we penny uh-huh. pinch at the end? We should have got a deal done. So glad he's okay. And then Hawkinson gets the wind knocked out of him, but you don't know at the time too. You're just sitting there twiddling you your don't. thumbs. Like dude, I thought he was lose. concussed at first until they showed the replay and, and it didn't hit his head. I yeah. was like, Oh, that's all right. Two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. How about, how about Jonathan Bullard getting big there? We, we didn't even know if he was going to make the team a couple big plays yeah. there in the trenches, including that. One of the only, one. He's one of the only non Daniel Hunter players on that defensive front that like made a play. And I think that's what has bugged me about the defense is that it is built to put people in position to go be playmakers, to go mm-hmm. make it happen, win a one-on-one and make a play, go get that cool replay, go get that cool, cool highlight. It's, I think it's different than the, you know, the Zimmer world, which was everybody do your unglamorous job and it should work if everybody does it well. Right. This is no every here. We have set this up. So you have one-on-one with a guard, go win. You know, you're one-on-one with a receiver, go win, go make it play, go get that interception. And I think that was Bullard doing that on the fourth and short, which is really refreshing because I think we just haven't seen enough of that. Like, go do it. You know, come on, Dean Lowry, go make a play. Go beat someone. Dean Lowry's on this team still. Oh, my God. He was. Ugh. I mean, he's been a huge liability. And and we saw more Jaquel and Roy, by the way, Jaquel and Roy in on all the goal line, uh, like super running downs. Oh, Andre and Carter Vikings did better against those. 
a lot of Andre Carter, which didn't turn out that well. Yeah, no impact. <laughs> I don't know but... what's up with that. Yeah, that was tough, man. That was tough. What do you th- What do you say, guys? Should we get out of here? Unless, Sam, you got one play that's sticking out to you right now that's just kind of, whether it's good or bad, a highlight or a yeah. low light, um, that's just going to kind of chomp at the bit a little bit until we jump on the football party tomorrow morning. Yeah, I mean, we might have to save all of it for the party. I, I yeah. do want to thank all the engagement in the in the comments. Unbelievable. Thank Unbelievable. you for this turnout. Um, but I mean, three things that I'm thinking about. One, how, I mean, the two unbelievable throws and runs after catch are overshadowed. The Osborne fourth and six, and then the Jefferson go-ahead touchdown are not going to get their just due. And then how much would we have talked about the Brandon Staley decision on fourth and one? Oh, That's yeah. That would have been the talk of the league. And uh, we won't really mm-hmm. get a chance to true. I think we should still. We were rescued from that. Be on it. We were we were spared that discourse. Oh, let's talk about fourth and one discourse again. We've I never bad. This I would have felt bad. I've for never Staley, heard honestly. anybody d- debate a fourth down decision by Brandon Staley before. So I would really was looking forward it to that always new back- and novel content too. concept. For very. That's why people. it's not as as you know prog- <laughs> progressively thought of because it always backfires on these coaches that want to take gambles. Yeah, I for whatever it's worth, I I think he was. I think that was a fine decision. Go get a yard, right? A yard to win the game. When you're averaging like eight yards a play. Yeah. That's kind of exactly why. Because the punish is you still get opportunities to go win the game by getting a tip drill interception. Um, I think that's the one that's going to really stick with me. Like catch the ball, tip it up, tip it up again, tip it up again. It's like, can we get one freaking bounce? Come on. Every Herbert drops the ball, bounces right back into his lap. Keenan Allen drops the ball, bounces right back into his lap. We get an interception. It tips up directly into Josh Palmer, (laughs) catches him in stride. Herbert couldn't have thrown it better. And then another one, like tip it up, tip it up, tip it up. Like, can we get There's one magnets, time man. where it they, just bounces? There's something goofy going on, Didn't guys. Didn't that exact play happen with LaVisca Chenault uh, three, I want to say three years yeah. ago yeah. against Jacksonville? Yeah. Same spot Freddie Mitchell, 2004 playoffs. The Vikings <laughs> are going, they're cycling. They're going back through their paces. Oh, Unbelievable. Uh, so glad you guys could join us. Thanks to everyone for tuning in, following along on today's postcast. Another reminder, we're going to be here every single game from here on out the rest of the season. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel. That's a reminder as well. Go check out Luke Brown every day on the Locked on Vikings podcast. He's pumping out everything you need to know as the Vikings try to get their first win, guys, of the year in week four in Carolina versus the Panthers. Uh, that'll do it for us. Follow us on X at Luke underscore Spinman, at Sam Ekstrom, at Luke Brown NFL. Follow all our work over at the Locked on Sports Minnesota Network, including Vikings coverage every single day, Ron Johnson show, the round table with Reggie Wilson, and the football party with Luke Brown and Reef Hassan coming up tomorrow, by the way. Vikings move to 0-3 on the season now. Panthers on deck in Carolina. We'll see if Bryce Young is still on that injury report. He missed today's game. Could be facing Andy Dalton for the second straight year next Sunday. Another noon kickoff. That means back-to-back noon Kirk Cousin games before we got that 3.30 start in week five when they host the Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs, two weeks from today. Sam Ekstrom, Luke Brown, Ron Johnson. I'm Luke Inman. 28-24 loss to the Chargers. We'll see you next Sunday. Same time, same place, right here on Locked On Sports Minnesota Network. Until then, signing off.